Welcome back. Richard, it's good to see you. How are you doing this morning? I'm working on my New Year's resolutions. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> I remember we used to talk about those. It is funny. Years ago, every Jan- December, January, we always talked a lot about it. Since the pandemic, yeah. it, they seem um, inconsequential. Right. Somehow, New Year's resolutions seem somehow um, un- inconsequential. Yeah. Yeah. So here we are in mid-January. True. We haven't even talked about this at all. So right. Yeah. Yeah. We just talked about that. So, but it's good to see you. Um, Good to see you on camera, at least. Yeah. Yeah. So the last couple of days, the last couple of weeks, last couple of podcasts, we've talked about um, challenging behaviors in kids. We talked about challenging behaviors in teenagers, and we're going to kind of continue that conversation today and, and and discuss some additional strategies um right. and that of course is what everyone wants and what everyone's looking for is what okay yeah we recognize that our kid is is having some behavior issues and stuff we want to know what to do about it and so we're going to present some information uh from someone we've mentioned before uh, dr ross green his group um and we're so we're going to present some information from from his group but you know but as we get started with it We've, we've kind of alluded to this over the last couple of weeks, and we just want to mention it again that, you know, sometimes, um, you know, when you think about strategies, when you're thinking about difficult kids, uh, there, there's a few, there's a, f- a few pitfalls, I think, that, that parents get snagged on. Um, right. and, and we just want to remind you that, um, you know, to watch out for these, like, like the idea that, um, you know, this isn't stuff that changes quickly. Right, right. We're talking about challenging behaviors. We're often talking about behaviors that have been around for a little while. And, and it take, it's going to take some time. It's going to take some effort. It's going to take a lot of work to see some improvement and see some change in those behaviors. That's right. Uh, you make a good point. These behaviors have been around for years. Yeah. And they become habitual. They become habits. And, and, all of, and everybody knows that have, you don't break long-standing habits quickly. It right. takes time and effort. How many times have we seen a, a teenager, a 15, 16 year old, and their parents says, well, he's been doing this since he was three years old. Well, he's been doing it his whole life. So right. we have a lot of work ahead of us to make some changes. So let me get this right. He's been doing it for five years. How you, you're not going to fix, you're not going to change that quickly. Right. I mean, this is a, this is a, this is a, these are, this is a huge undertaking. Right. And you cannot underestimate um, how long it's going to take and how much effort it's going to take. And I think I think we all, and, and, and I don't blame parents, I think we all have that tendency right. to say, okay, let's fix this. Okay, but you're trying to fix something that's five or six or seven years old in duration, and that's not going to happen easily and without effort. Which is also why a lot of people go towards medicine. You know, they want the medicine to work in <laughs> And it's always, you know, it's fascinating because that, that is exactly what we expect with medication is that, you know, if, if you have, um, if you're, you know, in some physical pain, you go and take some Advil right. and, you know, 30, 45 minutes later, you start to have some relief. And we, people sort of expect the same thing from mental health and psychiatric right. medications. And so when they find out that it takes, you know, three, four, five weeks before they mm-hmm. start seeing any change. Mm-hmm. A lot of people don't make it that long, but because we want a quick fix and, and this, these things don't fix quickly. No, no, this, they take a long time to thaw out. 
They take a long time to evaporate. It takes a lot of work and a lot of time. Yeah. Now, another thing that we want you, we would like for you to keep in mind is that, you know, many times parents will come in and say, you know, I have, I have three kids, you know, mm-hmm. I have two that are super easy and I'm doing everything exactly the same way with this guy. And he, it just isn't working. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I, I, I'm just doing the same thing. I don't understand. We need to make sure that we mention that, um, you know, these kids, every, every kid is different and right. works for other kids may not work for, you know, these, this particular. Right. And so you need to, you know, step back and you need to look and, and, and parent the child that you have and not, you know, the child that you thought you were going to have, or, you know, use the same exact situation uh, strategies with this kid that you're using with your other kids, because it right. may not work. Yeah. There, there is that line that we need to be aware of. When you're dealing with teenagers, it's often very difficult to tell the difference between what is sort of normal teenage misbehavior with what is, um, when do I get into serious um, diagnostic issues? So how do I know that my teenager is just being rebellious or my teenager has oppositional defiant disorder? And sometimes that's a fine line. But once you, once you say, once you admit that this child is different, then um, the approaches that you typically use as a parent are probably not going to work with that child. Right. And one of the mistakes that, that we often make is we say, well, this should work. You know, I'm, I've, I've said this a thousand times. I keep punishing him. I keep, well, that's the first sign that this child might be a little bit different. Absolutely. And so it's going to take what we advise parents, it's going to take a different approach. The, the stuff that you normally use um, and that you read about and that, that is, is uh, available to all of us as parents uh, really doesn't work with these kids. Right. Yeah. And it's, I think that parents can eventually see it when you, when you really break it down for them and you, you sort of encourage them or sometimes force them to, to kind of step back and look at it from the, right. you know, mm-hmm. from a worldview, just a little bit, you know, just way zoom way out and, and look at the whole picture. Um, you know, if you have an eight or nine or 15 or 16 year old who, right. who's presenting with a lot of challenging behaviors, um, typically that's not something that's just right now. It's that mm-hmm. is something that has, develop over a period of time and so everything that you have been doing so far mm-hmm. helped to create that <laughs> so um so you know I, I get you know use the example of spanking you know parents will say you know i i, I spank him and, and i and i'll do it every time that he does this behavior or every time that he acts out or every time that he talks back um and but that behavior doesn't stop and and so you we have to encourage the parent to, to recognize that, you know, you, you've been using that strategy, right? You know, you can continue to use that strategy, but you're going to continue to get what you've always got. Um, Not going to change just because you hit harder or because you hit more frequently it, or because you punish more frequently, that's not necessarily going to change it. You need a strategy. Yeah, the first your your first indication that maybe you're dealing with something different is exactly what you said. You know, I keep spanking him, and and it doesn't stop. I I, I scream and yell at him, doesn't stop. I punish him, I give him that, doesn't stop. No matter what I do, 
it doesn't stop. So the, the things that parents normally do to change behavior doesn't work with these kids. And when we were talking about this in young children, we talked about these behaviors being more intense, more persistent, more consistent. Um, they just don't respond to all the things that parents normally do. That's the first indication that you're probably dealing with a different uh, kind of problem. And maybe you've entered the world of mental illness, whether it's ADHD or ODD or whatever. Um, you're, you're, you're entering a different realm and it's going to require a different approach. Right, right. So, so today we're going to, to kind of dig into uh, some recommendations by uh, the, a website called Raising Troubled Kids. Um, and, and this is, uh, you know, uh, this is Ross Green. Um, right. Ross Green is the, the author of uh, The Explosive Child. He, he you know, um, he, he has written a lot of books about parenting, about teaching and, and students at home and at school. And uh, more specifically, he talks about something called a collaborative uh, problem solving approach to, right. to parenting and to dealing, managing students with uh, kids with challenging behaviors. And so we're going to talk a little bit about their strategies on how to manage uh, defiant behavior. Right. Yeah. And they're as good as anybody. They've been at it a long time. Yeah. It's a group at Harvard and um, they, they've, they've done a, um, a lot of the original research in this area. And so these are tried and true. And so these are things that parents can rely on. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, one of the things that they talk about, and, and it's consistent with what we were just talking about, is that, you know, recognize that parenting is difficult. Um, you know, they, we kind of begin with this idea that, um, you know, parenting is this natural thing. It's so easy. And we just have our kids, right. you know, and that works in movies and in and, and different places. But reality is, is that parenting is hard. And, and especially when you have a, a kid with some challenging behaviors, you know, we have to make sure that we first take care of ourselves. Um, and, you know, parents, you, you, you are not doing anyone any benefit by, you know, being sleep deprived or by, you know, not taking care of yourself. We've talked before about, you know, putting the oxygen mask on yourself first, because, if you're, if you're not stable, if you're not healthy, you're not going to really be able to help your kid get stable and healthy. That's right. Right. This is a, this, <clears throat> these are enormous challenges and they are going to wear you out. Mm -hmm. And so you have to take care of your physical and emotional health. You have to sleep well. You have to eat well. You have to take breaks once in a while. This is a very long year, years long process. Mm -hmm. And you need to take care of yourself because you're going to need your strength and your patience in order to um, manage and help these kids. Right. And, and one, of the, one of the ways to help sort of keep your sanity, you know, th this group recommends or encourages us to, uh, to focus on just one thing at a time. We, we, we kind of talked about it last week that, you, you know, you can't solve all of the problems at one time. You, you can't, uh, um, you know, if you can't get your kid to go to school, get it in the car and go to school in the morning, um, there, there's really no reason to, to create battles and fight over, you know, whether he's brushing his teeth or not, or, uh, you know, putting, leaving his clothes on the floor. Uh, right. you, you need to uh, address and, and deal with one issue at a time. Right. So that you can put all of your energy into that and solve that problem before you go on to another problem. That's right. And that's a common mistake. We, we get impatient with ourselves and say, well, we have all, and now he's yelling at me and now he's throwing a tantrum and now, no, 
calm everything down. And maybe your first goal is just to get the child in the car on time. Right. Okay? Forget about everything else. Accomplish that goal. And, and then when you've done that, then you can go back and, and address all these other issues that are really tangential uh, right. and less important. Right. right. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I think that what we, we fail to recognize sometimes is by, um, by decreasing the, thing, the number of things that we're arguing and fighting about, we're going to improve our, the relationship that we have and we're going to make things better just by itself, just by decreasing the number of battles, we're going to make things better. Mm-hmm. And, and when we stop all the battles, what we find is that we might have enough time um, to do something fun, to do something positive with your child. Um, you know, Richard, how many times do we talk to parents and it's like, they don't even enjoy spending time with their kids. They don't, they don't even like them. Right. They, don't, mm-hmm. <laughs> they don't like them. Right. This is a di- these are these are difficult kids. I mean, it, it's easy to reach that point of saying, "I just don't like to be around him." Yeah. I mean, they can be irritable. They can be um, uh, oppositional, testy. You know, and and they're they're just difficult to be around. Right. You, right. you, so find you want to love them and you want to hold them, but geez, they keep they keep fighting with you. Right. Well, I mean, it would be the same way with anything. The, if you if every time you you know do something every time you touch the the, the flower you get stuck by a right. thorn you're going to stop trying to touch the flower um right. you know it's the same way with your kids if every time you try to get close to them you know they're biting your head off you you're probably not going to keep trying so um right. so so find something positive to do so that so that you don't get attacked every time you try to interact with your child so your child right. recognizes that hey sometimes when mom comes to talk to me, we're going to go do something fun. Um, right. It's not something negative every time. That's right. And, um, you know, Russ Barkley, has, that's one of the steps in his eight or 10 step program for defiant children. And I think it's step four. And he says, you know, just take some, some, some peaceful time mm-hmm. where you're not teaching, you're not disciplining, you're just being with your child and having fun. So that every inter, because parents, I mean, that's what happens to us. Every interaction with this child is negative. Right. Okay? So knowing that, um, step back and carve out some time when the two of you are doing something that that uh, doesn't create conflict, and so that at least this interaction is positive. Right. Now, one of the recommendations from this website that that I know mm-hmm. that we we really um, use a lot. Uh, with with parents that we work with is the idea of, you know, we, we always want to set limits. We always want to create structure. Um, but at the same time, we, we have to have some flexibility within that structure. Um, you know, structure is great, but when structure is black or white, you know, when it's yes or no every time, you know, it, it makes some things very difficult. Um, there are some absolute uh, black and white you know, but, yeah, right. uh, but but there are many things that that can be adjusted or you know they can be uh, you know molded to to look a little bit different on it on any given day or for any given situation so right. you, know, you want to be consistent you want to be you want things to be predictable but you also want to be able to respond to what's going on right um you know just a, an example we often work with with parents is 
you know, like I, I strongly encourage parents to, to have their kids do homework, you know, right after they get home, you know, maybe take a short break to get a little snack or go to the bathroom or something. But otherwise, you know, you get right at homework because your brain is still in school mode and you want to do right. that. But if your kid comes home and, you know, he's exhausted and, you know, cause you know, he didn't sleep very well last night and he's cranky and irritable. It may be a good idea to adjust that, you know, that expectation that day and say, you know what, let's take a, let's, let's rest a little bit first. You know, why don't you take a 30 minute nap or why don't we put homework off for right now and, and do something different so that, because otherwise you're, it's just going to be a battle. And now you're fighting over homework that you know it's just homework because you have to do it at that time that's the black and white part now, right. you don't have to it's you set that expectation you set that that bound you set that limit and say that that's the schedule this is our structure but you're right what if the child has a cold what if the child had a bad day at school what if the child was bullied on the bus and you have to account for that stuff so we all have off days or bad days so do children. So do t- teenagers have, have many bad days. Okay. Yeah. But you, you try to keep things as calm as you can on that day and prepare to get back on schedule the next day. Right. So don't create a firestorm just because we're off schedule one day. Right. And, and, and it could be things within the parents as well. You know, if you had yeah. a bad day at work and right. you know that, you know, for homework, homework is tough because the kid is having a hard time learning fractions or something. And you, you recognize that you just don't have the patience to sit down for two hours and try to work, you know, battle over that, um, you know, had that conversation. And again, I, I strongly encourage parents to be very open with their kids about that. Hey, look, buddy, I had a really rough day today. Right. And, um, you know, we can, we can maybe do homework for a few minutes, but let's just, take the rest of the, the night off and we'll figure something out later. And in doing that, you're modeling the behavior that you want your children to display. Exactly. If I get home and I say, honey, I've had a wretched, I've had a horrible day today and I'm under enormous pressure. How about if we just take the day off? Let's do something different. Let's just go out and get something to eat and just relax. So you're modeling the very behavior that you want your kids to display. Absolutely. Yeah. And we can talk about that. We talked about that a little bit last week. So, uh, yeah. But yeah, so, so be structured um, and consistent, but be flexible as well. You know, read the room. Um, <laughs> mm-hmm. um, I, I also like the idea. We talk about rewards and punishments a lot on the podcast, and, and we tend to be ones who, who resist that urge to really focus and, and adhere strictly to this reward punish perspective. But I do like the idea of, um, of unexpected rewards. Right. Uh, you know, just, you know what, it's not for anything special. Let's just go get some ice cream. Um, right. You know, you don't have, to, I, I, I think that we get into this routine. And, and a lot of times when people use rewards and punish as, as a ways to manage behavior, um, for some reason, we figure that to do something nice for our kids, they, there has to be a reason. Um, <laughs> they have to do something first. They have to earn it. Right. It's like, n- no, um, I, I can, I, I love my kids no matter what. And so, um, you know, let's just go get ice cream tonight. You, you didn't have to do anything to earn it. You don't have to earn my love. You don't have to earn time with me. Um, right. Let's just, let's just go do this. Right. Right. 
you know, it's true. Imagine the, the um, typical, I mean, the, the, the comparison I always use is imagine if you walk in the door and you bring something for your spouse or your partner, okay? Unexpected. You just, it's Wednesday in March and you bring flowers home, okay? What, a, what an enormous impact that has on your partner. It's like, gee, here we are in the middle of the month and he's, he's being nice to me or she's being nice to me. Same with your children, you know, just unexpectedly uh, affirm, affirm your feelings for them and your love for them. No, you don't have to earn all that stuff. You know, the other thing that I forgot about that we haven't ever, we haven't talked about in these, you remember Russ Barkley's, I think it was Russ Barkley's idea that for every negative comment, you have to make four positive comments. Yeah. Okay. What you're going to find when dealing with these kids is most of your interactions with them are negative. And right. so you have got to start building in some positive responses and some positive um, attitudes toward these kids because for it's true for all of us. Most of your you're going to find that most of your interactions are negative, and you have to find a way to get some positives in there. Absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> now the um, we are uh, one of the one of the ideal types of uh, parenting styles is um, authoritative parenting, right. where you're working with your child and you're you're. Um, you're, you're giving examples and you're answering the questions of why, and you're doing those kinds of things. But, but when we, when it comes to really challenging kids, when it comes to kids who um, are, are, are pushing limits, are oppositional, are, are really challenging you on a day-to-day -day right. basis, um, that's when you, you want to kind of pull back from that a little bit, not to the point to where you're authoritarian necessarily, but you have to avoid the, 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 um, the pitfall of rationalizing or, or trying to reason with your kids. Um, <laughs> these, these challenging kids, um, you know, this is the way that things are. Um, and, this is the way that we do things in the house. I love you. I understand that you don't like it, but this is the way we do things in the house. And there are going to be many things that just aren't up for discussion. Right. Um, you know, your, your 12 year old isn't going to stay out of the house and running around the neighborhood until 11 o'clock at night. Right. Not going to reason about that. We're not going to rationalize that. We're not, I'm not going to give you lots of other reasons why mm -hmm. that's just the rule that, we're not going to do those behaviors. Right. Yeah. You have to have some, I mean, there, there have to be limits. Um, you and I believe in collaborative problem solving, right? I think with, even with pretty difficult kids, you can say, Hey, look, do you agree that we have a problem? Yes. Okay. What is the problem? Maybe define it. Say, okay, how can we fix that? What, how can, how can you, what can you do to change? You, you ask the child yeah. what can you do to change that. Well, but you're not in a democracy when you're a parent and especially with these kids, it's, they don't get an equal say. If you have a child who's easy to raise, easy temperament, you can do collaborative problem solving because they're mindful, they're considerate, they think about things and collaborative, solve, collaborative problem solving works really well with those kids because most of your interactions are positive. Mm -hmm. okay? With these kids, most are negative and you have to set, some firmer limits with them. Um, so 
you want to use collaborative problem solving, but you don't want to get into uh, give them a vote in things. Remember, these are kids who are already struggling right. and they're not going to reason or think through things the way your other children might. Absolutely. And so you can't get into these negotiations with these kids because by definition, they're not making good decisions. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And that kind of goes into the next thing is that, um, you know, because they have difficulty, because they're not going to be happy with the decision, right. because they may not have a say in everything, you have to find a way to tolerate some expression of frustration. Right. Um, you know, I, I get that a lot of people have a really hard time with um, when people slam doors. That is not a problem that I, I ever had. I don't, you know, you can slam your door. That's fine. I, it doesn't bother me. You know, don't don't right. break it because that's, that, that's going to. That's a different that's, issue. That's, a yeah, different that's, issue. Just, that's property destruction. And, and, and that's going to, now that's going to affect your privacy because now you're not going to have a door and, and that doesn't make sense. But, right. you know, again, we, we talked about this last week. There are many things that I get upset about. And okay. um, so to, to, to have my 13 year old, you know, express some frustration and anger about having to do something that he doesn't want to do. Why would I, why would I expect him to be pleased with it? You know, I know, I know that he's not going to be happy with that. And so if he slams the door, if he yells um, in his, in his room, or, you know, we encourage kids to like yell into their pillows and things like that. um, That's fine. Express that, express that aggression, express that anger, get it out. Um, but you know, just don't destroy things. Don't, you know, don't do dangerous things. Right. And you can't, you know, it's unreasonable. You don't expect an adult to be in a good mood every day or not express aggression or anger on occasion. Kids are the same way. They're, they're, they're like us. They have good days and bad days. And some days they're testy and they're, um, um, angry and they have to be allowed to express that anger. Yeah. So don't, don't worry. But again, it falls under that heading of let's deal with one problem at a time. You, you've asked, you know, you know, your child is upset. You've asked your child to clean the bathroom, clean the bedroom, clean up the room. And, and then they, they get angry. Okay. Now you have, you've asked, you want the room to be clean. You make the request, the child gets angry and slams the door. Now you have a second fire burning. Right. And then you go in to say something to the child and the child says something nasty to you. Well, now you have a third fire burning. Now right. you have three problems. You started out with one. You just want the room to be cleaned. Right. But now you're reacting to your child and you're setting new fires. And suddenly you have a, the house is ablaze. Right. Okay. So and, don't, don't react to that stuff. And you're, you're probably making it worse by reacting. Absolutely. So, and so we want to be the the website talks about being a marshmallow. Be a marshmallow. You don't, right. you don't want to be in, in our book. We talked about being a willow as opposed to an oak tree, you know, right. a willow so that you bend and you, you sway with those torrential winds that come through uh, right. sometimes, but you know um, we have to find a way to deescalate and you, you never deescalate by being immovable. Right. <laughs> you know, you have to sway. You you have to, you can't take some of these things personal. You know, these kids will, uh, and this goes for parents as well as teachers. You know, these kids these these kids will cuss sometimes. Mm-hmm. You know, they will call you names. 
they'll Sorry. call you bad names. Um, <laughs> bad but, stuff, right. But, but, you know, it's because they're angry. It's because, you know, oftentimes because they know it's going to cause a reaction from you. Right. Um, you know, all you, but you, you respond by interpreting it for them. You know, they, if they call you a name, you say, man, it sounds like you're really upset. What's going on? Yeah. What's happening? Mm-hmm. You know, uh, you know, yeah, you know, you 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 keep calling me that. Um, I, I hear you, um, but that's not telling me what's going on. I, I, if you want, I would like right. to, but I need you to tell me what's going on. But so I'm guiding the kid to understand that I, maybe I'm trying to help, mm-hmm. but the way that he's communicating isn't giving me any information. That's but right. I, that's so... on a name that he's calling me. I don't. That doesn't right. matter to me. Right. Because you can't, all you can do is overreact to name call. Right. It doesn't solve it. I mean, you don't, you don't, you are not in possession of any information if your child calls you a name. And I don't care what the name is. And I don't care how they modify the name with whatever adjective they want to use. Okay. So regardless of what they call you, as hurtful as it is to you, you don't have any information to act on. Right. The only thing you might do is you might say to your child, you can't, uh, you're being disrespectful or you're being, you can't call me that. Well, now you're, you're just reacting to the name calling. You saw and solve the problem. How, you how many, the child. Okay. But again, that's starting another fire. What you want to do is you want to know what I know you're, I am. Wow. You're really angry. Tell me what you're angry about. How many times, Richard, do we hear about kids will call a parent a name and the parent will start calling the kids names? And you call, yeah. Mm-hmm. Once again, you go back to what we were talking about earlier. You're modeling the behavior. Um, right. you're doing, he's doing exactly what you do. Um, it, we say that to parents sometimes. The parents, well, he said it first. Okay. <laughs> now we're now we're all teenagers because um, that's, that's right. Really. Um, you're, so you're descending to that level. Absolutely. And I, God, believe me, remember the first thing we said, this is hard. Yeah. Okay. It's, we understand it's hard. We understand that we're asking you to do something that nobody else would ask you to do. Right. I mean, everybody else would say, oh, I'd slap him in the face. Oh, I'd do this or I'd do that. Or he wouldn't go out. I'd take his phone for a month. That's not solving the original problem. Right. You know, and, and you're probably not because you still don't know what made this kid so angry or why he's, He's gotten to, what has caused this child to get to this level of anger? Because he doesn't always call you that. Right. He's calling you that now for some reason. We have to figure out what that is. Right. And another thing that the, the website talks about, and, and I think that, again, a lot of parents have a hard time with, is um, the, the website just says call their bluff. Um, right. and, and again, you, you have to you have to know your kid and you have to know the situation. Um, right. If your kid has a, if, if, you know, two weeks ago, your kid ran away and um, was gone for three days until the police found him and brought him back. Mm-hmm. If your kid says that he's going to run away again, um, it's not a bluff. Um, <laughs> you know, that's probably will really run away. But, but if you're, you know, if your eight year old is scared of the dark um, and it's, you know, 10 o'clock at night and he says he's going to run away, um, the, the likelihood is that he's not going to leave the house because it's dark outside and he doesn't want to be out there. So, right. but, but, you know, maybe um, a, a different way of thinking about it besides just calling their bluff is 
you know, again, don't get pulled into these threats that they made. Just like you don't want to get pulled into it when they're calling you a name. If your kid says, I'm going to run away, say, okay, I, I hear that's what you're going to, what you're going to say. I, I would like for you to, you know, if you're going to leave, tell me where you're going. Um, because if you don't, I, I need to make sure that you're safe. Um, right. or, or I'll bring you clothes and yeah. some food, you know, um, let me know where you are and I'll bring you your stuff. You know, what stuff do you want me to bring? And I can deliver it there tomorrow. I, I remember one time, Richard, we had a, that, remember that patient that we had, this was probably 10 years ago, 15 years ago. And he said he was going to run away. Um, and he, and we said, well, wh where are you going to go? What are you going to do? And he said, he's going to go live in the woods. <laughs> what are you going to do in the woods? Um, living out there, like you don't have any, well, I'll just, I'll just sit out there and play video games. <laughs> woods. How are you going to play video games in the woods? There's no place to plug. I'll have an extension cord. <laughs> so clearly the kid isn't, he's not going to run away. going anywhere. No. Um, no. But, but again, we kind of get pulled into this, this argument about something that's not realistic. That's not going to happen. And, and right. you just, you just have to resist that, that bait. Right. And, and the other, so running away is one of the things that kids um, threaten. Mm -hmm. The other that really gets parents' attention is I'm going to kill, they threaten suicide, they threaten, I'm going to kill myself. Okay. Um, and I love the way Ross Green, I love the way this particular program addresses that issue because it's very specific. And I think most kids, when they threaten this, are not serious. Right. Okay. Now you don't want to just call their bluff because you don't want to, this isn't a game of poker. And so you don't want to see how far it'll go. They say, I'll kill myself. Really true. Uh, again, if there's no history of that, if there's no history of self-destructive behavior or cutting or um, anything like that, it's, it's just a way to get your attention to see if you'll back down. You know, can I, they, can I use this um, approach to get my parents to back off. If I threaten to kill myself, then maybe my parents will let up. Right, and oftentimes it's, it, it, they don't really mean they wanna kill themselves. What they really mean is that I want out of this situation. Right, that's um, right. And so, and so the, you know, an appropriate way for a parent to respond to that, again, without getting drawn into it, and mm -hmm. is, um, man, you, it really sounds like you're upset. And, and, if, and if you mean what you're saying, um, that means that you are really potentially you, you're in crisis. We need to get you help. And, and, if, right. and if that's the way that you feel, you know, we may need to go to the hospital or we may need to, you know, see somebody immediately to get you help so that you're not in crisis anymore. Right. Don't panic. Again, the parent you have to use, you put on your oxygen first. Right. You don't panic because your child's threatening suicide. You simply say, wow, you know, I think you really mean that. Uh, this is serious and we need to go to the hospital. So get yourself ready and we'll go. And most kids at that point say, well, wait, wait a minute, I don't need to go. No, no, this is a serious thing. If your child really gets upset and loses control completely, you just have to call 911. Right. You certainly go to the hospital, but you're going in a Baker Act rather than voluntarily. Right. But, you know, the, I would call them both say, well, you sound serious. So let's get, let's get you to the hospital. Right. So, so parents, please recognize that calling their bluff with saying that I'm going to run away, maybe, okay, you know, let's pack you some clothes and let's make sure you have some snacks and you know, let me know where you're going. Um, but if they say, I'm going to kill myself, calling their bluff isn't, 
well, go ahead. That's not calling their bluff. That is, um, that is a really bad idea. Um, yeah. Calling their bluff is, um, man, it sounds like you were in crisis. We need to go to the hospital okay. and get you evaluated. Um, so ensuring their safety um, is, is always top priority. But throughout, throughout all of this, mm-hmm. you, you, you recognize the need that the parent has to stay calm. You can't go to where the child is. You have to stay calm so the child is where gets to where you are, right? If you're name calling, if you're getting angry, if you're getting loud, you're modeling the very behaviors that you're trying to ameliorate, that you're trying to terminate. Absolutely. So, so when we think about some general rules for parents, um, right. going along with what you're just saying is that, you know, if your kid is having a hard time, if your kid has these, some of these troubling behaviors and they're, you know, your, your kid doesn't, your kid doesn't want to be doing this any more than you want to be doing it. He doesn't want to keep getting in trouble. He doesn't want everything to be a fight. Um, don't, so don't blame your kid. Don't, don't get into that way of thinking that oh, it's just a bad kid. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you can't blame him or her uh, for what's happening. It's just, it, it's a situation. It's a battle um, that you're both fighting. Yeah. Yeah. This isn't, um, don't blame your child for the behavior. When, when you, when you talk about kids who are, who are at this level of struggle, who are struggling this hard with life, with school, with friends, with parents, with siblings, um, don't, don't blame the child. They're not, they're not battling. They're not after you. That's and and you can't. You don't want to get into that mindset of my child is doing this on purpose. My child is just tormenting me. My child is this and my child is that. Try not to even use those sentences. Right. Your child is struggling. Figure out what the struggle is. Stop right. blaming the child for for whatever's going on. Your child is the one having the struggle. Mm-hmm. So let's figure out what the struggle is. It's not because they weren't put on earth to make your life miserable. Yeah. Promise. You just happen to be there. Right. Yeah, a- absolutely. And, and at the same time, you know, you don't, you know, another rule for parents is, is don't ignore other things that could be contributing to it. You know, right. we, we tend to look at the kid and we're focusing on the kid and we're focusing on the behavior and, and then those subsequent fires that start from that behavior. Um, mm-hmm. But um, you know, it sounds sometimes it sounds so silly to say this to parents, but, you know, when you, when you, when we talk to them about their behavior and, you know, a parent will say, well, you know, it's almost guaranteed that it's going to happen when we have to get him up early for school um, because it's just so hard to get him out of bed. Okay. Well, maybe, maybe he's tired, you know, maybe he's not sleeping well or, or, you know, it's always bad right after school. Okay. Maybe he needs a snack or maybe he, um, you know, maybe he's being bullied or maybe he's tired again. You know, there's lots of other potential reasons for why these things are happening. One is the child. But if there are family dynamics happening at home that, that are causing problems, that could be an issue. If there are uh, social issues with peers, that could be an issue. Mm-hmm. There are lots of other things that are outside of the child and his or her biology that could be causing some of these things. Yeah, we all know how sensitive teenagers are, how emotionally fragile they are, most of them are. Um, their behavior may not be about you. You, 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 
you hear them use foul language, they call you a name, they raise their voice, they express their anger. You think it's about you. What if they were in school that day and they were kicked out of the lunch group? You know, they have this group every day where they all have lunch together. And suddenly your daughter is said, you can't sit here anymore. Well, that's devastating to a teenager. Okay. That's what they're bringing home. It's their, their anger, their mood, their behavior has nothing to do with you. It's what happened at school that day. So don't ignore the other challenges that might explain their behavior. Make sure you know what you're dealing with. Right. And and don't about you. Right. And, and, And at the same time, don't make, take your issues out on your kid. So if you're angry or you're upset, you don't take that out on your kid. You know, there are times when you're going to be snippy and you're going to respond because you, you had a rough day at work and then you, your, your kid says no or something like that. And you're going to, you know, don't tell me no. Um, and you're going to go at them, you know, go back and apologize if that happens. But, right. but, but don't, don't allow yourself to, to take your frustration out on your kid. Be, be self-aware enough, have enough mm-hmm. insight to say, you know what, I think that I responded to that poorly because I had a really rough day. It's not an excuse. It's just that that's the reason why that happened. And I'm sorry that I responded to you the way that I did. That's right. And you're modeling. Or with your kid. You're modeling the apology. You're, you're, yeah. it, it's okay to apologize. You know, it, it, you should. Um, but you have to model that for your children. Right. Okay? If they, if you apologize to them, you're not groveling, you're apologizing. You're not asking for their forgiveness. That's not what you're doing. You're simply apologizing for your bad behavior, which right. is exactly what you want your kids to do. Absolutely. All what you want. Absolutely. Um, and we already yeah. talked about, you know, not, again, with these, with these kids, you want to avoid those, uh, those, those battles of, um, of explaining and justifying and rationalizing and reasoning um, because it's just not going to get you anywhere. Um, before kid, That's right. Before kids are in elementary school, third, fourth, fifth grade, all these verbal rational explanations, they're not, they're yeah. falling on deaf ears. Yeah. You know, when parents try to reason and explain things to a four or five-year-old, that's, that's not accomplishing anything. They don't. Right. Uh, don't bother. And if you have a teenager or an older adult and they have this long track record, the lectures and the explanations aren't, aren't accomplishing anything. Right. You, know, you don't need to justify or explain. This is just how it is. This right. is, this is what we do on Wednesday night at seven o'clock. Right. Yeah. It's because once you've, once you um, find yourself going down that path, you're going to very quickly figure out that you have a really difficult time explaining why, you know? Um, now, I always had a reason why I wanted my kids to pick up their stuff and, and to clean up their toys and pick them up off the floor. But a lot of parents have a hard time explaining to their kids why they want their room, why they need to have their room clean. I'll just shut my door. Nobody has to see it. I can shut my door. Right. Um, it's my room. I'm the one that lives in there. What does it matter? Oh, no, this is my house. Okay. That's not a reason. And you know, and when you, you know, when you tell your child, this is my house, mm-hmm. well, then it's not their room. Right. It's, it's your room. You, when you tell your kids, this is my house, you, you're just allowed to live here. Well, then they are guests and they start to act like guests. This right. is my room. I don't have any investment here. Right. I don't own anything here. 
when I stay at a hotel, um, somebody oh, opens right. things up. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, and I, if I'm just a, if I'm just a guest, you know, and that's what you're telling me, it's yeah. not your room. Um, be careful with that. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think, um, we, we've had a podcast about this before. Um, but, an, you know, another rule for parents is, um, it is to st- just stop over pathologizing, yeah. you know, every behavior, every misbehavior, every challenge that you experience with your kid is not some sign of pathology. Um, if your kid likes to have things exactly the same way every time, that doesn't mean that he's OCD. OCD. If your kid, um, you know, is rigid and, you know, has some social awkwardness and he plays video games all day long, it doesn't, he's not necessarily autistic. You know, don't, don't keep pathologizing every behavior. Um, because as soon as we are doing that, again, we're kind of going down that path of, okay, there's that example. Um, here's a medication for that or, you know, it, it, it doesn't work that way. Right. Yeah. Especially with teenagers because teenagers tend to act oddly. Um, and that's normal. Odd behavior is normal for teenagers. Mood swings are normal. Um, getting angry is normal. Getting aggressive for boys is normal. Right. Okay? So don't, you're right. Don't pathologize everything. Yeah. And, and don't, we talked before about not, not, doing the same thing and expecting something different to happen. Um, don't keep trying the same punishments or the same consequences. Um, because sometimes, sometimes what we need to do is something that we don't necessarily want to do. Um, it is sometimes a very obvious thing. Like sometimes we just need to lower our expectations. Um, if you want your kid to clean his room, but he, he fails every time to meet your expectations, maybe change your expectations Maybe the best he can do is to have everything up off the floor. It doesn't look nice on the shelves. You know, the drawers don't close all the way, but you know, let's just start with, okay, you got everything up off the floor. That's great. Okay. And then you can build from there, but you know, let's manage our expectations. One of the most, one of the most frequent um, stumbling blocks for parents raising, especially teenagers is that they will say, well, I showed him how I want him to do it. And he'll go in and clean the bathroom, but it's not done the way I taught him to do it. Mm-hmm. Well, now be very careful with that because you, the first job, the first thing you want your child to do is you want them to clean the bathroom. Mm-hmm. Okay, how well they do it is a completely different issue. Right. So don't mix the two. You can always get to perfection. Okay, you can always get to your standard. I've had many parents say, well, I don't let my daughter run the vacuum cleaner because she doesn't do it the way I want. It's okay. All we want her to do is assume responsibility for running the vacuum cleaner. Once we've accomplished that, then we can get everything to look perfect so that the nap is all going in the same direction. That's a completely different issue. The yeah. first step, first thing we want you to do is we want you to clean the bathroom. We can we can gradually get to this is what I want it to look like. And, and, and you know, Richard, how, again, I keep saying this, giving examples and say, how many times does this happen? But how many times have we talked to kids and he's like, you know, all I have to do is you know do it the wrong way, and mom will go in there and she'll do it. She'll take care. Right. Yeah, she'll, yeah, yeah, she'll yell a little bit but she yells about everything. So it doesn't really matter. She'll yell about it a little bit, but then she'll go in and fix it. And I don't have to. Right. So I can, I can, I can just do 
part of the job and because I know mom will come in and clean up after me. Right. So, so again, avoid that battle, parents, avoid that battle. Or uh, these poor kids who, you know, he said, I did clean the bathroom, but then my dad came in and said, I didn't do it right. I, I forgot to do this or I forgot to do that. And they, now the kid's discouraged. Now they don't want to do anything because it's never good enough. Right. Yeah. Right. And, and we've, we've also had a few podcasts in the past where we've talked about um, attribution styles yeah. and, and um, avoiding that tendency to attribute intent or um, some purpose to your child's behavior. Um, mm-hmm. We don't really know, you know, um, we, we spoke a few minutes ago about, you know, well, he, he's not really, he doesn't wake up in the morning and say, you know what, I'm really going to upset mom today. Mm-hmm. This is going to be one of those days. I really got her today. Mm-hmm. Um, no, but sometimes parenting, you know, when you're parenting, it feels that way. It feels like right. they're doing it on purpose or it feels like they're doing it just to upset you. Um, but that's you attributing that to the kid. That's you saying he's doing it just to upset me or he's doing it because just because he wants his way. Right. Um, right. But we, ha- we have to avoid that, um, that tendency to, to attribute those things and demonize our kids. I think attribution, making, attributing anybody's behavior, whether it's a child, teenager, or even an adult, a coworker, or a student, attributing motives or attributing, um, attributing motives in particular, usually gets you into trouble. Yeah. We really don't know why. We, we, we talked earlier about a, a teenager in anger calls you a name, okay? Uses, uses some, some uh, profan- profanity with you and calls you a name. We then immediately jump to my child did that because of X, okay? Right. You're just being disrespectful. Well, that's, you're attributing um, an emotion. You're attributing um, motivation. You, you did that uh, to, to be disrespectful. You did that to be mean. You did that to be, those are attributions. Be careful about making attributions because you, until you understand, you're probably going to be wrong. Right. It, 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 we, um, I was talking to a parent once and, um, you know, like a lot of parents do, um, you know, the only reason that he called me that word is because when he's playing his video game, that's how those people talk. That's how his friends right. on his video game talk. So he's just talking to me like he's talking to his friends. So right. he gets video games away from him. <laughs> right. But, you know, it doesn't, when we step back and we think about it, it's, you know, it doesn't have to do with that. Um, right. Yes, he may talk to his friends that way. Sure. Um, but he's not talking to you that way because of he, him talking to his friends like that. Right. Um, right. You know, we, we do just kind of dig ourselves. And, and you know, when we attribute, we, we tend to, we tend to do so because we're taking it personally. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're, we're, again, making it all about us um, and not recognizing what's going on with the kids. So, mm-hmm. right. um, so on the website and, um, you know, Ross Green in general kind of talks about a couple of different um, approaches uh, to parenting. And, um, you know, we, we've mentioned the collaborative, but first we'll talk about this uh, parent management uh, training that, um, you know, helps to educate parents in how to manage right. challenging situations. Right. Yeah. And there are a couple of programs out there that you can access that will uh, train you 
um, give you the skills, at least some of the skills you need to raise children or teenagers with these very challenging behaviors. Right. It, it, it requires a different approach. And um, we're, we're happy to say that these are, these are uh, there are some programs that are available on the internet that you can, you can learn about, you can learn the skills that you need to manage these very difficult behaviors. Absolutely. Uh, and, and we we strongly encourage uh, mm-hmm. folks to check out, uh, again, the collaborative problem solving uh, right. approach. And that is that is one where you're working with the child to identify problems. And you're, as the name suggests, you're, you're collaborating with the kid to problem solve through what's everything that's going on to find a solution, to find a remedy to to these issues so that things can get better. Yeah, because one of the one of the difficult one of the difficulties here is that in almost all of these cases, this is a battle. This is a battle of wills. We talk about power struggle, okay? But this is a battle of wills. I want you to do it this way. The child wants it to be done this way. I want the relationship to be this. The child wants the relationship to be this. That's a battle of wills. Well, rather than fighting that battle, which everybody is going to lose because you're going to damage the relationship, what Ross Green and his group at Harvard are saying is, wait a minute, let's end the battle of wills and replace it with a collaborative approach where everybody gets a little bit of what they want and you have a peaceful relationship. Yeah, absolutely. And, and every time we've attempted that with patients and families that we've worked with, it, it's been effective. It's been, it's been helpful. I mean, I mean, there are those who, um, where it doesn't work as well. And that typically is because either the parents or the kid aren't following through with, with the events and with the things that we talk about, but when everybody buys into it and and is doing the, doing their work, um, it's a very effective program for for managing things. And and what parents I think are often surprised about is that when you sit down and you talk to the kid and you say, all right, so, you know, these, these are the rules that I would like to have in the house. You know, let's talk about consequences for not following through. Um, it's remarkable how severe of punishments kids will recommend. Well, you should take my, you should take my Xbox away for a month. Wait, <laughs> what? No. And so we have to tell them, no, that is not a good strategy. That is not a good consequence because that's not realistic. You know, um, you're going to have a problem. You, know, you tell the kid, you're going to get in trouble sometimes. It's going to happen. You don't want your Xbox being taken away for a month because right. as soon as the parent tries to do that, now there's another battle. That's another, you're starting another fire. Right. So you have to make sure it's all realistic and, and everything. Right. But that collaborative problem solving approach can really be an effective tool um, for helping parents deal with that. Right. Right. All right. Well, I think that's it for today. We kind of covered and went through a lot of different uh, ideas and strategies. I put a link to the sh- in the show notes to the um, Raising Troubled Kids uh, uh, website. So check it out um, and uh, see what you think. And, um, you know, we'll talk more about some of these issues in, in future podcasts. Right. Yeah, we'll, we'll revisit these issues periodically. This is, uh, this is, this is um, difficult for most of us. And so we'll, we'll keep working on it. Absolutely. So, all right. Well, that's it for today. Until next time. Stay happy, stay healthy, and forget to be afraid.